0: Welcome to How to Live Cancer-Free
1: with Bill Henderson, best-selling author of three books on healing cancer successfully. Now, here's Bill Henderson.
2: Hello, folks. Thanks for listening in today to How to Live Cancer-Free. You're going to get some very useful information today, and one of the reasons is a gentleman named Tom Calarco, who's going to help you to learn some up-to-date information about cancer in the news and other subjects he may want to bring to you. Tom's an interesting gentleman. He's 64 years old. He's a author of five books on uh, the Underground Railway of uh, helping uh, slaves and so on back in the Civil War period. Very interesting gentleman. He has his own show here on Web Talk Radio, but he's also very, very interested in natural healing and has uh, volunteered to take over the portion of the show here where we bring you up-to-date information, and Tom's going to do that and I suggest strongly that you listen to him. You'll enjoy it. So thank you, folks, for listening, and stay tuned.
1: Thanks, Bill. As Bill says, there are many ways to cure cancer. Many are herbal remedies that have been passed down through the years. Some are new treatments discovered in the lab. One that has shown promise is DCA, sodium dichloroacetate. A report came out in 2007 that researchers at the University of Alberta, Canada had found that DCA, which has been used to treat children born with metabolic problems, was useful in shrinking tumors. What was especially important is that it is totally non-toxic. DCA is taken orally and can be easily absorbed in the body and can reach areas in the body that other drugs cannot, making it possible to treat brain cancers, for example. I think DCA can be selective for cancer, said Dr. Evangelos Mikulakis, one of the doctors who conducted the study, because it attacks a fundamental process in cancer development that is unique to uh, cancer cells. One of the really exciting things about this compound is that it might be able to treat many different forms of cancer. However, there is concern that this treatment may never be available because the compound can't be patented. And as you might have already surmised, if it can't be patented, there isn't enough money to be made. After five years, no follow-up trials have yet been completed. However, a quick check of the National Cancer Institute website, clinicaltrials.gov, shows two clinical trials using DCA for cancer treatment in progress, and one that is recruiting subjects. The next film in our series about the cancer industry is Cut, Poison, Burn, produced by Wayne Chester and Louis Cimino. The film's message is that our freedom to choose medical care in the U.S. is rapidly eroding, and there is no better illustration of this than in the cancer industry. It also has a brief segment mentioning DCA. The film starts off with footage of President Nixon declaring war on cancer on January 22, 1971, when he asked Congress for $100 million to find a cure. It segues to the feature story around which the message is attached, that of the Navarro family and their 4-year-old son Thomas, who has brain cancer. There also are several other personal stories intertwined as well. Navarro had surgery, and his parents were under advice to have him undergo radiation. Albert, when faced with this decision, they were amazed and disheartened to learn the many side effects of the procedure, including hearing loss, blindness, spinal growth deficit, mental retardation, secondary tumors, and hardening of the brain, the last of which also can lead to death. And, of course, they refused to sign, and this led to their Prosecution by their own doctor for child neglect. The film moves back and forth from this story and others to interviews with healthcare professionals discussing the inability of conventional treatment to cure cancer and instead offering brutal and painful treatments with no or little better survival rates than no treatment at all. As the other films illustrated, because the drug companies are making billions with conventional treatments, They have no reason to find a cure. An illustration of their callousness in the film is a reference to the pap smear test, which saves thousands of William annually with early detection, but which was suppressed for 29 years before its use was approved. Despite $3 trillion invested in treatment and research since the 1970s, the film illustrates there has been no significant progress and yet more will die of cancer in the next three years than in all American wars since the American Revolution. In 1992, the National Institute of Health established the Office of Alternative Medicine. Former Congressman Berkeley Bedell, who was on the Oversight Committee, said, however, that the FDA wouldn't test alternative treatments. As in the other films... The suppression of effective cancer treatments that has been going on for decades is discussed. It highlights this with the story of Stanislaw Brzezinski, who fled Poland in 1970 and opened a successful cancer treatment in Houston using the anti neoplastin treatment he had invented, and whom the Navarros wanted to treat their son, but were blocked from doing by the FDA because of restrictions. ...they had placed on Brzezinski. This was after 13 years of persecution during which the Texas Medical Board and the FDA confiscated Brzezinski's records... ...and attempted but failed to prosecute him for alleged criminal behavior. Footage from the hearings was shown, including testimonies of patients whom doctors had given up... ...but whom Brzezinski had cured, as well as testimony of National Cancer Institute official... Dr. Nicholas Petronas, who had been part of an NCI team that examined Brzezinski's cases and said anti-neoplastins was the best cancer treatment he had ever seen and called it amazing. The FDA lost every prosecution, yet it put anti-neoplastins on the unapproved methods list and put a restriction that anyone who went to Brzezinski first had to undergo conventional treatment before they would approve it. An interesting digression was an interview with Shane Ellison, a research chemist whose job was to improve the safety of the breast cancer drug tamoxifen produced by AstraZeneca. During his work, he found the drug actually caused cancer, increasing the patient's risk of developing uterine cancer. When he asked his supervisors that if they couldn't improve the safety of the drug, would it be taken off the market? He was told that $6 billion was at stake, and that was too much money to even consider this. The Navarros fought their doctor and pleaded their case to the FDA through Congressman Dan Burton of Indiana to allow their son to be treated by Brzezinski. Burton also drew up a Patients' Rights Act that allowed more freedom for patients to choose their health care, and presented it to Congress. But it failed to get the necessary support to put it to a vote. In the meantime, they brought Thomas to a clinic in Mexico for alternative treatment. Unfortunately, it was not successful, and his his tumor continued to grow. Not being permitted to go to Brzezinski's clinic, they finally consented to allow Thomas to undergo conventional chemotherapy. But instead of arresting cancer, it caused a proliferation of tumors on his spine. It was then, when his case was hopeless, that they were able to go to Brzezinski. But there was little he could do, and Thomas Navarro died soon after. After all these years of suppression, the FDA has nevertheless approved clinical trials for Brzezinski's treatment. But no federal money is being allocated for these tests which cost millions of dollars. A quick review of clinicaltrials.gov shows 61 studies listed for antineoplastins. One study has been completed, several withdrawn, and the rest show an unknown status. All are being sponsored and funded by Brzezinski's Institute, probably because a very early clinical trial, not under his supervision, refused to follow his protocol, intentionally, he believes, and used the results to claim the inefficacy of his treatment. Near the conclusion of the film, Congressman Bedell strongly sounds the alarm that because politicians are beholden to their contributors, and because the drug companies are contributing millions of dollars to their campaign funds, they are able to maintain this tyranny over our health care. Go to Cut, Poison, Burn, that's one word, CutPoisonBurn.com to see this pointed film. This is Tom Calarco. Be sure to listen to my show on webtalkradio.net, From Slavery to Freedom, on which we unlock the mysteries of the Underground Railroad and recall tales from the Civil War. Until next week, stay healthy, my friends.
2: Well, hello, folks. This is Bill Henderson with How to Live Cancer Free, where we try each week on webtalkradio.net to bring you information that you can use to heal cancer if you have it or avoid it if you don't and we're certainly going to do that today. This is probably I think going to be one of the best uh broadcasts and and uh recording sessions that I've had because in the uh in the interview I'm going to let you listen again to Dr. William Grant on the subject of vitamin D. I've been reading some interesting information recently about how how essential vitamin D is for different functions and so on, but uh, what's happened is the the study that he refers to in this interview, and you'll hear about it, uh, of vitamin D and how essential it is, and what what level is healthy, and so on, has been completed. At the time the interview was done, back in uh, November of 2009, it was just it was underway, and they were testing your vitamin D level for forty dollars uh, every six months or so. But they they've completed that study now, and it was published last month in February. And I want you to listen to this again to see how important that this is. And then I want you to go take a look at the study uh, and the results of that, because it's quite interesting. It is at the website, which he mentions called grassrootshealth.com, grassrootshealth, h-e-a-l-t-h.com. And there are a couple of videos there, uh, interviews by Carol Baggerly with a couple of uh, vitamin D experts. Uh, Dr. Grant, the guy that I interview uh, later in this show, is one of the living experts on this subject in the world, and uh, the interview is quite interesting. I think you'll enjoy listening to it. If you have listened to it before, I suggest you listen to it again, because I'm sure you'll learn something from it. Anyway, what I would suggest you do is go to the website that we mentioned, grassrootshealth.com. His website, Dr. Grant's website is sunarc.org. And both of those websites have a considerable amount of information. But you can also order, if you like, a vitamin D test. The price has gone up to $60 now instead of $40. But you can still order a vitamin D test, a simple one that you prepare at home with a couple of drops of blood, and they send you a little thing to prick your finger with. And you send it in, they give you your vitamin D level, along with some information about uh, what the vitamin D level does for you. And they ask you some questions about your health and so on to add to their database. Very, very interesting subject, because uh, there was a study done several years ago, it was like 2004, I believe it was, that showed that if the world's population had an adequate level of vitamin D in their bodies, that 77% of cancers could be avoided. This is how important this is. Not just a cancer, but virtually every degenerative condition is affected by deficiencies in vitamin D, which almost all of us have, as you'll hear. So it's an important uh, subject, Uh, and we mentioned in the... In the interview, where to get vitamin D and and what how much to take, and so on, very, very interesting, so stick around, make sure you hear that one. what I want to talk to you about today, cancer in the news, if you will, uh, is muscle testing it's also called kinesiology. Some of you uh, know about this and have used it on yourself and and maybe on others and so on uh, it's a very, very interesting process to do muscle testing on yourself or on another person. You can learn a lot. Uh, in the uh, On the cruise that we were on last month in February with uh, Dr. Gar- Garcia and Dr. Lubecki, both of them talked extensively about how they use muscle testing in their practice uh, to determine both diagnosis of people, but also treatment, what's effective. And it's very, very interesting. In fact, when Terry and I, my wife Terry and I, came home from this cruise. We said, "Well, let's uh, apply some of this." And we took the supplements in our pantry in our cupboards, which, uh, by the way, is a huge, a huge load of stuff. And we tested all of this using muscle testing to see which of it is effective for us, which ones that we should continue taking, or that we should take if we weren't taking them. And surprisingly many, many of them turned out to be useless to us, whether that was because they don't contain, you know, what they really say they have or whether we just didn't need it. But what we're doing with this procedure, which you'll learn about, and I'll tell you how to learn about it in just a minute. Uh, What we're doing with this procedure is asking our subconscious questions. Yes, no questions. They're called a binary question. The subconscious is quite willing to answer questions for you. And it will tell you what it knows, and believe me, it has knowledge about not just your past, but your present. About which organs are are having problems now, for example, and where those problems came from. Incredible stuff, and we'll, I'll, I'll tell you more about that in just a minute. But uh, what we did, my wife and I, we took uh, one of the pills or capsules out of each of these bottles that we had, and put it in the, uh, we were testing ourselves, so we put it in the crook of our arm, where our elbow is, and brought our arm up a little bit, and then we did muscle testing on ourselves. And what we found works the best for us, it doesn't work for everybody, there's several different ways to do muscle testing, but what works for us is uh, what's called the double ring method, which you make a a ring with your uh, thumb and your index finger on each hand, and then you interlock those together and you pull it apart. And if, if the resistance is strong, that's a positive or yes answer from your subconscious. If it's relatively weak, the answer is no, and you can test this easily. By saying, you know, my name is Bill, well, I get a very strong response when I do that. If I say my name is George, I get a very weak response. That's how you can test to see if this is working for you. Then what you can do is take, as we did, one of the capsules that you're taking or one that you're considering taking or pills or whatever, uh, liquid, whatever you want to do, put it. As long as it's in a, a glass container, not a plastic one, it'll probably work in the bottle if it's a if it's a liquid. And you put it on your elbow there, and you and you pull your arm up so that it doesn't drop away, and you test it. And your subconscious will tell you if this is something useful and helpful for your body. Now, this sounds probably rather un- unbelievable to people who haven't tried it, but I've worked with so many people who have used muscle testing. Particularly, I always urge people to do it on emotional issues because the the wonderful book, The Emotion Code, by Dr. Brad Nelson is a wonderful resource for that and it gives you a way to test for trapped emotions, as he calls them, that are in your body affecting your physical organs and your, your body's physical uh, homeostasis, if you will, getting you out of balance, basically, and that's why we get sick. Our body gets out of balance. And one of the ways to restore that is simply figuring out which emotional issues are are bothering us by asking our subconscious about it, and that's what this emotion code book does. It's available on Amazon if you want to go look at it. I have no financial interest in Dr. Brad Nelson, but I want to tell you about something that I've just discovered. My wife and I, about four or five months ago, we went to a seminar that Dr. Nelson the author of The Emotion Code book did in uh, San Rafael, near where we live, near San Francisco. Uh, He's become a good friend of ours. We met him about uh, four years ago in 2007 up in Philadelphia. And he had just published the book The Emotion Code. It came out in June of 2007 and, and this meeting was in July. So we met him and his wife. They were there and I was there with my wife. It was a new author's conference that we both went to and, and we got to know them quite well and they were healing people during the breaks of, of uh, pain issues and so on, very wonderfully compassionate people. So we took the book home and worked through it and, and figured out a, a, an emotional issue with, that my wife had and we helped her, uh, her health improve with uh, finding out what that is and dealing with it the way this book describes. So, what Dr. Nelson has done now, and we found out at this seminar that we went to, is come out with a a completely new version called the Body Code. And this is a marvelous, marvelous way to do self-help. He says it's his most magnificent achievement so far, and I agree with him, on the self-help approach to diagnostic and treatment bon on your own at home in other words dr. Nelson is all for having you divorce yourself if you can from the medical system and learn how to deal with your issues whatever they are on your own if that's at all possible and he has tried everything in his power certainly over the last five or six years since he quit his practice as a chiropractor in Southern California to write this emotion code book but he's since then in 2008-2009, he put he put together this body code healing system. He calls it, and you can look this up and and listen to a webinar that he does where he heals several people remotely. One lady was in Australia, one was in Wisconsin, and he's in in uh, Nevada or in southern Utah, I, I would just, I should say, uh, but heals them remotely of pain issues. And you can hear this. It's an interesting webinar. Uh, the way to find this, by the way, is to go to drbradleynelson.com. That's just his name. Dr. for Doctor Bradley, B-R-A-D-L-E-Y, Nelson, N-E-L-S-O-N.com. Uh, the other, there's another website which you can look at. It's called the Body Code Healing System. Body Code, C-O-D-E Healing System.com either one of those you can get access to this webinar and it is very very interesting because he describes first of all why he has how he's found out that this works so well after 21 years really of dealing with people both person to person and and remotely as he does on this uh, webinar uh, but in any case Dr. Nelson has I think a wonderful tool for you in at your home to take this system that he's developed that took him, he said, a year, a full year to develop this because it, it's based on his practice and his experience, but it is very, very thorough. It covers virtually everything that can happen to your body, all the organs, all the systems, uh, everything, and why it happens to you. And then he teaches you how to access your subconscious and determine which of these uh, things causes whatever's happening to you and and how you can release it exactly release it from your your body improve the pain improve the physical uh, characteristics of whatever is bothering you and believe me this is not uh woo woo folks this is this is science about as close to it as I've I've seen where you can work on yourself at home, on your health, and and Dr. Nelson, like me, is convinced that most of the things that happen to us, uh, there's a cause for them. In fact, there's always a cause, he says, and I agree with him, there's always a reason. It's not just something random that happens to you, there's always a reason. And what he gives you here is a wonderful tool for figuring out what that reason is, and then figuring out how to delete it, how to get rid of the reason that's causing you this physical problem and thereby cause your body to get back in balance. It's a wonderful seminar. Uh, It takes about an hour, maybe an hour and ten minutes, and during that time he'll talk to about four different people and uh, help them heal from pain issues, and it's pretty obvious that it is working. And, of course, some of it's instantaneous. They get uh, a slight reduction in pain almost immediately. But it it occurs over a period of of a few days afterwards uh, that their body really recovers completely in almost every case. So it's called the Body Code Healing System. And, folks, I think you want to look at this. You will be very, very glad you did, believe me. And all of the things that Dr. Garcia and Dr. Dr. Lubecki were talking about on the cruise, they fit this pattern basically. They use it a lot in their practice to determine why people have certain issues, health issues, and then they they use it to heal them and then to find out if they're healed. And all of this is very, very possible with uh, muscle testing kinesiology, which you can do on yourself you can do it with another person if you like. Uh, you can certainly uh, hold your arm out parallel to the floor and have uh, another person stand in front of you and uh, you can test uh, that way or you can do it on yourself whichever works for you. And believe me everybody that I've tried this with and, and but this seminar that we went to in San Rafael, there were about 150 people there. This book uh, The Emotion Code and the Body Healing uh, had come out at the time, but uh, it hadn't been out very long. But all these people were familiar with the Emotion Code book, and during that seminar, we broke up at least six times into one-on-one and tested each other for emotional problems that were shown up by this table. And it's very quick and easy to do that, and he showed you that on the webinar. It's quite simple. And in almost every case there was some trapped emotion that was definitely identifiable with this procedure in almost everybody that that, uh, I worked with, and even a couple in my case that uh, I wasn't really aware of. And of course you can figure out when it happened, if you like, to validate it. Uh, You can check back uh, as to when it occurred, and you may not remember the issue that's involved. but. If you do, it's a a good validation, but the muscle testing will tell you that as well, when it happened to you, and then you simply release it using any kind of magnet, as he'll show you in the webinar. You use a magnet and if you're working on yourself, you just rub it from your forehead, literally over the top of your head and down the back of your neck three times on what's called the governing meridian of your body, and it's released generally. You can test and see if it is. You can ask your subconscious questions like, uh, has it been released? Is this taken care of? Is there any more that we need to do about this? It will give you yes-no answers to questions like that. It's very, very interesting. But in the meantime, if you want to try this, take some of the substance supplements that you've been taking, including some of those that I recommend, certainly in my book. You know, don't hesitate to test yourself with those and see if if they're helpful to your body, because your subconscious will tell you that. It's quite aware of this, and it's just one of the many things that you can do with muscle testing, or what's called kinesiology. Well, I want you to stay tuned now and listen to Dr. William Grant here, because you'll find that he is probably uh, the world's expert on the subject of cancer and vitamin D. He has studied it immensely over the last few years, and he tells you a lot about in this interview about what he's found out about it so stay tuned well hello folks I'm back and I have a very interesting interview subject for you today a, a gentleman who uh, is very very knowledgeable about vitamin D and how it affects our bodies and and particularly how it relates to cancer and both in prevention and in treatment of cancer this gentleman is probably better informed about it than almost anybody in the world His name is Dr. William Grant. He's a PhD with 30 years experience in various kinds of of work. But uh, one of the things he did in the early part of his career is uh, testing the atmosphere with a remote laser uh, sensing for things. Uh, He has also founded an organization called Sunlight Nutrition and Health Research Center. Uh, He lives in San Francisco. And this organization is devoted to research, education, and advocacy relating to the prevention of chronic disease through changes in diet and lifestyle. And, of course, that should interest almost everybody listening to this show, certainly. His mission has been to identify and and quantify risk-modifying factors for chronic diseases. In other words, in a better position to fend them off. But he's particularly interested in, in UVB or or the sunlight creation of vitamin D, and then how that affects cancer and infectious diseases, and we'll talk about the flu vaccine, and certainly vitamin D supplementation and how we do that and what it's going to do for our bodies. It's kind of interesting how I I met Dr. Grant. It was uh, a couple that I was helping on the phone with their cancer, and they had run into Dr. Grant at the San Francisco Opera House a couple of weeks ago, and, you know, sat next to him, and they got to chatting. And they told me about what an expert he was on vitamin D. And I said, boy, that's right on target here. We've been talking about this on this show for several weeks and uh, been relatively under-informed about it. But here we have a true expert. Thank you, Dr. Grant, for sharing with us today.
0: Oh, you're welcome. I'm, I'm, I look forward to talking about vitamin D, one of my favorite subjects these days.
2: Yeah, how about that? Well, you have done an, an enormous amount of scholarly research, and I've read several of the studies you've done on vitamin D, and, and you've, you've been one of the first people that really connects it to where people live as much as anything because of the amount of sun exposure they get in various parts of the world. Uh, and, of course, the, it appears to be very definitely related to how much sunshine we get. Is that true?
0: Uh, well, yes, the, uh, the ultraviolet B portion of the sunlight... And it turns out in the United States, there's much more UVB in the western United States at the same latitude than there is in the eastern United States at the same latitude. Well, that's interesting. That's because, in general, uh, in the western United States, we have higher surface elevation. There's more mountains, and more plains that are elevated. Yeah. And as the winds come from the ocean and went across the Rocky Mountains, they push the tropopause higher and make the stratospheric ozone layer thinner.
3: Oh, I'll be
2: darned. So
0: the the highest levels of UVB in the United States are found in uh, Arizona and New Mexico, and the lowest rates are found up in New England.
2: Yeah, okay, just for people who are not as familiar with it uh, as some of us, uh, describe, if you would, UVB and UVA and how those relate to how we get vitamin D in the body.
0: Okay, the ultraviolet spectrum is divided into three regions, UVA, UVB, and UVC. Yeah. Uh, UVA is Generally thought to go from about three twenty nanometers to four hundred nanometers, where four hundred nanometers is the start of the visible spectrum, where we have the, the violet or the blue, yeah. And then U V B is from two eighty to three twenty nanometers, and U V C from two hundred to two hundred and eighty nanometers.
2: Yeah. Okay. Now, but as far as what affects the body for the vitamin D, the positive effect, it's mostly the U V B, right? Right,
0: and that's a, uh, that's only three to five percent of the solar ultraviolet radiation hitting your surface at at solar noon in in the summer.
2: Okay, so it's hard to get enough of that unless you're out in the middle of the day with most of your skin exposed, I guess, for 20 or 30 minutes anyway. What is the effect of doing sunscreen, for example?
0: Well, sunscreen blocks uh, erythema radiation, which extends up to about 325 nanometers, from about 290 to 325 nanometers. So it blocks vitamin D production, but it doesn't block very well the UVA radiation, oh. which is linked to risk of melanoma. I see. And so, one of my colleagues, uh, some of my colleagues down in San Diego, Ed Gorham and, 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 and Cedric Garland, did a, uh, a meta analysis of sunscreen use and risk of melanoma and found that for people living north of 40 degrees latitude, that'd be a little bit north of Sacramento, for example, yeah. they had an increased risk of melanoma associated with using sunscreen.
2: Okay, very interesting. So it's interesting
0: yeah. that the dermatologists have been beating on people to wear sunscreen to stay out of the sun oh boy. have actually been in increasing risk of melanoma without realizing
2: it. Isn't that incredible? Yeah, the, the politics has been uh, don't overdo the sunshine and so on. And, of course, I guess getting really burned badly is not good for anybody. I mean, you don't want to burn your skin. Right, right. But certainly a minimum amount of exposure to the sun every day is almost certainly healthy. But uh, it is healthier, of course, the lower latitude you live at and the more you get out in the middle of the day and that kind of thing, certainly. But in general, most of us just do not get enough exposure to, to get enough vitamin D. Is that true? That's correct. And that's why, I don't know, I've talked to several cancer doctors that test all their patients for vitamin D, and they say all the cancer patients they've had, are way low, I mean, down in the low 20s or below in right. the count of vitamin D. Let's talk about that for a minute, if, we, if you would. What is the healthiest level in a vitamin D test that you would think for for anybody, say, with, not concerned with cancer, but just in general?
0: Okay. Based on a number of studies, um, it looks like the optimal range for serum 25 hydroxy vitamin D right. is between 40 and 60 nanograms per milliliter, 100 to 150 nanomoles per liter.
2: Yeah. Okay, well, the the most common test, which is a 25OXD, I guess it is, uh, right. that measures it in the nanograms per milliliter. Is that correct? Uh, right. So you're getting, most of the time, the one you get from your doctor should be at least 40 and ideally up closer to 60, I guess, right? Right. Okay. Now it turns
0: out that the average white American has a value of around 26 nanograms per milliliter. Uh-huh. The average Hispanic around 20, and the average Black American uh, 16.
2: Oh boy, yeah, yeah. The, uh, the darker skin gets a much lower absorption of this, I'm sure. Right. From the sun.
0: And then we have to realize that uh, our dietary supply of vitamin D is, is to- woefully inadequate. The average American gets 250 or 300. International units per day from from diet from milk and fish and things yeah. like that, and all that can do is prevent rickets. Has no other health benefit.
2: Yeah, really. And the RDA, so-called recommended daily allowance nowadays from the from our government is four hundred, I believe, four hundred IU per day. Is that right?
0: Yes, but the Institute of Medicine has constituted a, a panel of nutritional experts to review the dietary guidelines on vitamin D and calcium. Oh. And they will report back uh, next May or June. I actually attended their meeting, their open meeting on August 4th, and, and gave them some of the evidence of the benefits of vitamin D. See what happened, The original recommendations were set in 1997 based on primarily on rickets and bone diseases. Okay. Since then, we've had all the research on, on vitamin D and in infectious diseases, cancer, cardiovascular disease, autoimmune diseases, uh, dementia. Yeah. And so this is being uh, weighed by the committee. Unfortunately, the committee is comprised of nutritional experts, and very few with any background in vitamin D.
3: Oh boy! Hmm. And
0: then they're, they're they're invoking evidence-based medicine, which means they primarily want to see randomized control, control trials, of oh uh, which there are very few good ones because for years, the trials only use 400 IU per day, like the Women's Health
2: Initiative. Yeah, that's ridiculous. So it it we're sounds we're like they company. need you. They need you on that committee. It sounds like to me. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Incredible. Well, let's talk about a couple of specific examples here. I've been, you know, since I became aware of this, which is really early this year, I I didn't include it in my book as a part of the recommended supplement regimen I do for cancer patients. And the book was last updated just about a year ago. But if I were doing an update today, I would certainly put this in as an essential part of the healing. And what I've been doing for myself is about the last six, seven months, I've been taking about 10,000 IU a day. Of the uh, vitamin D3 and it's very inexpensive and very easy to take in fact I use now a 5000 IU uh, sort of a gel cap a very small one so I only take two of those a day well I had it tested back in uh, I think it was April or May of this year and it was 81 that's the uh, NG per ml I guess but right. the, the standard sort of measure that most doctors do what do you think about that is that a healthy amount
0: well, we're saying that below 100 is, is okay. Mine is around 80 as well,
2: so mm-hmm.
0: I'm in pretty good health. Yeah. The, unfortunately, we don't have any studies looking at health outcomes for people with, with, with that have the higher levels. On the other hand, it's very likely that our, our ancestors uh, on the African plains had levels like that because oh, yeah. they were out all day in the sun with no clothes.
2: Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, so that's probably pretty normal level, but... Now, most of the of the studies i've seen lately say the target that they're heading for as you mentioned earlier is more like fifty to sixty, but of course that's much higher than most people have now, and it certainly would be healthier right. but it doesn't hurt to be higher than that, certainly and what about toxic levels now here's another example of a lady in Illinois that I know, one of the ladies that has helped her dad recover from from lung cancer with using my approach and and she was telling me the other day that she had the flu about a couple of weeks ago and she tried 200,000 IU a day of vitamin D3 for a couple of days and the flu kind of went away. She was feeling like she was almost getting pneumonia from it. But it went away and then she cut back on it way back to, I don't know, 5,000, 6,000 IU and, it, and the flu came back. So she upped it again to 200,000 and it went away. Well, when she got over it, which took three or four days, I guess, completely to get rid of it. She t- had a test done shortly after that, and it came back 138 on this same test. What do you think about that? Is that is that going to cause her some kind of physical problem to be that high?
0: No, I don't think so because that's a short-term uh, result. In terms of toxicity, uh, since one can make around 10,000 or 15,000 IU per day in the sun with whole body exposure, yeah, that has to be considered the physiological dose and something that man is adapted to and is, 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 is expecting more or less yeah. the only people who really have a problem with the levels that high would be people with um, diseases that are in intimate contact with the serum such as tuberculosis, lymphoma sarcoidosis, granulomas huh. diseases because what's happening there is the body's innate immune system is producing a lot of the 125 dihydroxy vitamin D the hormonal version of vitamin D Okay. To try to you know building up the in- innate immune system to fight this section or this whatever's happening. I see. And then it puts too much of the one twenty five into the serum, which then raises serum calcium levels, which can then lead to hypercalcemia.
3: Oh. Okay. In fact,
0: the nineteen ninety seven committee set two thousand IU per day as the upper tolerable limit, but that was based on a study of people with tuberculosis in India, who developed hypercalcemia at three thousand eight hundred IU per day. Okay. But for most people. It's not a problem. On the other hand, the half-life in the body of, of vitamin D, which is stored in the fat, uh, is about four to six weeks. I so see. in her case, she can wait about a month and she'd be down back down to normal
2: levels. Okay, so if you stopped taking it for a couple of three weeks, you'd still have a pretty high level in your body because of this half-life, right? Right, right. Okay, interesting. But in general, people should probably get to a daily dose of this for prevention at least, and we'll talk about cancer in a minute, uh, for prevention that is you know, going to keep their level around the 60-plus or so level, I guess, for all purposes. What do you think? Is, is that related to body weight or, or size in any way?
0: Well, certainly um, you know, body weight plays a role. The vitamin D is fat-soluble. The 25-hydroxy vitamin D is, is actually stored, I think, in the muscles as well as in the um, serum, serum, and the 125 just circulates in the uh, serum.
2: I see. So, but what we're taking with the the D3 pills, the, the supplements, then what is that? That's the 25-hydroxy. We take, take
0: cholecalciferol. That's vitamin D. Right. And then it goes to the uh, liver, where it gets a hydroxyl re- uh, group, which makes it into 25-hydroxy vitamin D. And then it goes to the kidney and almost any other organ in the body. And if needed, the organs will make the 125 dihydroxy vitamin D.
3: Okay, okay, great. And the
0: action of vitamin D is primarily through what are called vitamin D receptors. And so the 125 dihydroxy vitamin D can go into the vitamin D receptor and essentially activate it. And then what the vitamin D receptor does is turn on or turn off genes in the chromosomes it's attached to. And then that affects. Uh, what happens after that?
2: Yeah, so it is a very vital function for cellular, for the efficiency of your cells, basically, for activating the right genes and so on, right?
0: Right. It helps differentiate cells, it helps, and it helps cells like stem cells fit into an organ by helping them realize where they are and what they should be doing. I see. And if they don't fit, they have programmed
2: suicide called apoptosis. Yeah, well, that sounds pretty vital to me, yeah. <laughs> and I guess there is lots of proof that people with very reduced levels, which is most Americans probably, right. eventually get some kind of disease uh, that is related to that. Certainly, right?
0: Well, right. We cause cardiovascular disease is now linked to vitamin D, cancer. Yeah. Oh wow! Um, your infectious diseases like influenza and pneumonia. Yeah. Almost all the things we die from are, are linked to uh, low vitamin D, and. As people get older, their serum 25 vitamin d levels generally decline right. because in part they're not as in the sun as much and in part because the production efficiency of vitamin D goes down with age. Yeah, People over the age of 60 are about one-quarter as efficient as people under the age of 20.
2: Wow. And I found it very interesting, the study you did about the economic effect of this. Uh, you were talking about Europe in that particular one, but... I think you pretty well prove that there's about a 20 to 1 economic benefit here by even if the government had to buy everybody vitamin D, I guess, to take, Uh they would make a whole lot of money by the amount of health problems that it would prevent. Is that true?
0: Yes. I've done studies now for for Western Europe, Canada, the Netherlands, uh, a little bit for the United States, and I'm finding that we're looking at a 5 to 10 percent, maybe even 15 percent, Reduction in the economic burden of disease, yeah, and the the cost of of um, providing vitamin D can be say one percent of of the economic burden of disease. So oh. you've got a ten or five to ten to fifteen uh, fold increase benefit to
2: cost ratio. Yeah, really. Well, it's so inexpensive. I mean, that, that's one of the reasons I urge people to take uh, some of this stuff because it doesn't. It costs pennies a day, literally. I mean, I'm right. We're talking the 5,000 IU ones I take. I think it's 6 or $7 for a bottle of a 100 of them, something like that. Uh And I just take two of those a day. So we're talking, you know, that's almost a two-month supply. And, I mean, it doesn't cost almost nothing. I would up this somewhat if I had cancer, certainly. But let's talk about that for a minute. If I were advising somebody with cancer today, I would probably tell them, hey, you know, it's probably a good idea to take a lot more of this if you are ill and have been, been some kind of degenerative condition has been identified, and I say if it were me, which is all I can tell people, I'm not a doctor, so I just tell them what I'd do if I were them, but if I were me, I'd probably take something like twenty-five to 30,000 a day of this stuff if I had any degenerative condition, particularly cancer. What do you think?
0: Okay, well, what we recommend or what I'm comfortable with is a process called uh, filling the tank. Okay. In other words, for, for a week or two or a month, maybe take the large doses, 25,000, 50,000 every day, every two days, whatever. Right. And, and then it'd be worthwhile to, to test the serum levels. And can I give a, a website that uh, is offering a special on, on serum 25 hydroxy vitamin D testing?
3: Oh, absolutely.
0: Okay. Uh, Carol Baggerly, she's a retired, uh, successful businesswoman, has set up an organization called Grassroots Health. Okay. And her website is grassrootshealth.net. All right.
3: It's
0: down in San Diego. And she is offering for $40 a, a serum 25-hydroxyvitamin D test.
3: Oh, great. Uh, okay. The
0: test is, is actually performed by uh, ZRT Labs in Oregon. They use a mass spectrometer, and they can actually differentiate between vitamin D2 and vitamin D3. Uh, for your listeners, vitamin D2 is made from um, yeast. It's not as effective as vitamin D3 as far as we're concerned, but it's the only form that, that doctors can prescribe because it's gone through all the, the, the randomized controlled trials. Oh, okay. So the, the vitamin D2 is very expensive because it's based on a prescription. But if if, if, uh, if a cancer doctor oncologist tells a patient, well, you need more vitamin D, they can go out and get the vitamin D3 very cheaply, like you point out, and it's actually a better product.
3: Yeah, great. Okay. But in either
0: case, if they're going to take large doses, they might just want to uh, check their serum levels, possibly before and possibly after. Yeah. And there is a caveat: people with with lymphoma and perhaps leukemia might have a problem with hypercalcemia, okay. because that's again a, a cancer in intimate contact with the blood, and the body just the innate, immune system might be over overproducing uh, the 1,25 hydroxy vitamin D. I think it happens in 10 or 20 percent of the cases. Uh-huh. So they would want to measure the 125 and the serum calcium levels as well as the 25 vitamin D. So they should really work with a doctor. And,
2: and, and yeah, they but that's just uh, for certain types of uh, lymphoma and leukemia specifically, uh, right. Right. which are affected by that. And certainly right. the, the calcium uptake is affected directly by the D level, is it not?
0: Right, and vice versa. I saw some interesting abstracts at a conference in, in Belgium uh, this month where it, it turns out that you've got to have enough calcium in your intake to help raise the serum 25 hydroxy vitamin d levels. Okay. What the mechanism is, I'm not sure. But it also turns out that a number of studies have found that calcium and vitamin D work synergistically in fighting type 2 diabetes and in fighting many types of cancer.
2: Wow. Okay. Yeah. They're they're both important, but they they need to be taken together. Is that right? Uh, pretty well, much. Well, not exactly. I not mean, you can, at the same the time. Orange
0: juice was sold with vitamin D without calcium. Yeah. But you've got to get your calcium somehow.
2: Right. Okay. But they don't have to be taken at the exact same time. Then. No. Okay. No. Interesting. The test you mentioned, the Carol Beverly's. Uh, Grassrootshealth.net, folks. That's a really good website to go look at. I looked at it, and it, it looks like it has a, a great test. How do you get the the blood draw necessary to get the test?
0: Oh, she sends a little kit which has a lamp. So you just prick your finger, put two drops of blood on a piece of paper. Oh, so okay. uh, fold it back up and send it back to her.
2: Okay, so it's very much a home stuff that you don't have to go to the lab or to the doc to get a prescription. Yeah, very, very
0: convenient and very inexpensive. I mean, it can cost up to $200 for a, a serum 25 hydroxyvitamin D test through a commercial laboratory.
2: Yeah, well, I'd certainly look into that one, folks, because, uh, you know, this is something that it, it's not a bad idea to get this tested, particularly if you have cancer and if you're taking a lot of it, or even if you're not, a couple of times a year, really. Don't you think?
0: Yeah, in fact, what Carol likes to do is for people to sign up at one point and fill out a questionnaire about their health, their body mass, and things like that. Yeah. And then six months later, come back for a second test and and give an update on their their condition.
3: Oh, okay. She's yeah. She's doing a
0: study along with her, um, with the testing, and she's quite an advocate for vitamin D. Yeah. In fact, I'll be going to Toronto to meet with her on next Tuesday, where she's organized a symposium on vitamin D an open symposium and she does this sometimes in different places like in San Diego and she's done it in New York as well.
2: Great well you're not going to get a better deal for 40 bucks people I'll tell you grassrootshealth.net take a look at that one I'm going to get one of those done myself because Great. I'm just curious about it well we, let's talk about the certain types of cancer that you've identified that are particularly related to vitamin D and you've done a lot of studies on this I know uh, yeah. you know particular types of cancer Uh, But the, the list you had in this one study, it says reasonable evidence of a beneficial role of vitamin D exists for about 16 types of cancer. We're talking colon, esophageal, gallbladder, pancreatic, rectal, urogenital, bladder, kidney, prostate, breast endometrial, ovarian, vulvar, and blood cancers, Hodgkin's lymphoma, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, and multiple myeloma. That sounds like the whole cancer list that I'm aware of, just practically. Uh, It leaves
0: out liver cancer.
2: Liver, okay.
0: And uh, the results are a little questionable for lung cancer, but I think it does have a benefit. Oh, okay. And interestingly, it looks like melanoma can be considered a vitamin D-sensitive cancer. Oh, really? But the, the problem is unfolding the effects of the ultraviolet A and the ultraviolet B radiation. Yeah. But there's increasing evidence that vitamin D reduces the risk of, of melanoma and increases survival for those who have melanoma.
2: Really? It's interesting. Tell us what type of study you've done on the people with certain types of cancer and how this affects them. Is is there a, a control group that uh, you have, or is this just something? Okay, well,
0: first of all, uh, I'm a physicist. Yeah, and I'm a 30-year uh, atmospheric scientist. I have no patients.
3: <laughs> okay.
0: But I have, I, I what I do is I do studies with data. So for my work on on cancer, I actually built on the work by Cedric and Frank Garland, who were the first ones to identify that solar ultraviolet B radiation through production of vitamin D likely reduced the risk of, can- of colon cancer. Okay. And that they published in 1980. And so when I got involved in 2000. There were only five cancers thought to be vitamin D sensitive at that time, breast, colon, prostate, ovarian, and and rectal cancer. Uh And what I did was I I got the new maps from the National Cancer Institute and saw that many many cancers had the same pattern. And so working for NASA at the time, I got the summertime UVB doses for the United States. I got the map, which is on my website, uh, sunarc.org. Right. And I just I spent about a year digitizing the map, in accordance with the maps of, of, of cancer, and found these fifteen types or sixteen types of cancer inversely correlated with with solar UVB.
2: Okay, yeah. So I, in other words, the more UVB they got, the less cancer that resulted. Right. Uh, and And certainly, the interesting
0: thing is, and can get a little history here is yeah, that, that was accepted very very quickly by cancer, which is the publication of the American Cancer Society. But then their chief epidemiologist said, well, hey, wait a minute. What about other risk-modifying factors, smoking and alcohol and so on?
3: <laughs> yeah, okay. You haven't
0: included those in your model. Right. So I put them in. I put um, other things in as well and submitted back to the journal Cancer, and they reviewed it and rejected it, saying that statistics wasn't strong enough. Oh, no, I then submitted to eight other journals, mainstream journals, and they all reviewed it and rejected it. i was feeling pretty dejected at this point. But finally, I, I got it accepted as a conference proceedings paper for a, a vitamin D conference held in Germany, published in a Greek journal called Anti-Cancer Research. Yeah. And now it has 65 citations, which puts it in the top 1% of clinical medicine papers published in the year 2006. Wow. Okay. So I think mainstream medicine was just afraid of the vitamin D story. Oh, boy. And didn't want to go forward with it because it, you know, competes in mean. We have, you know, as you're well aware, we have a disease treatment system in the United States. Oh,
2: boy. Yeah, that the so-called health care system is really a sick care system in my opinion. Right, right.
0: <laughs> I mean, like you say, you can prevent cancer for $10, $20 a year. Yep. Whereas you get cancer, that's what, twenty, fifty thousand dollars 50000 $100,000 for the operation. Yep,
2: per and month almost, the, you know, twenty, fifty thousand 50000 per month is what it amounts to.
0: Yeah, that's part of the reason that the D story is having a hard time coming. And now if we can talk about influenza for a minute.
2: Yeah, sure, please.
0: The powers that be are pushing vaccines where the, where the money is. Yeah. But on both seasonal influenza and the so-called swine flu yeah. influenza are both very, very strongly vitamin D sensitive.
2: Okay, very and, interesting.
0: And, I mean, just look at the seasonality. It happens when, when our vitamin D levels are low.
2: Yeah, in the, in the wintertime, naturally, sure.
0: And then for swine flu, the groups that are most adversely affected are the pregnant women, the Australian aborigines who now live indoors, yep. uh, people with diabetes, obese people, children with neurological conditions. They all are low in vitamin D as a group.
3: Yeah, they're not so getting what, enough sun. So what vitamin sun, D yeah.
0: does to fight influenza is it produces another compound called cathelicidin. Uh-huh. And cathelicidin is a polypeptide that fights several viral infections and uh, bacterial infections and uh, has been shown to be effective uh, from various studies all sorts of flu.
2: Okay, well, I gather if, if that you're partly like me. You turn down the flu vaccination of any kind, whether it's H1N1, swine flu, whatever, seasonal flu, in favor of taking enough vitamin D. Is that true?
0: That's correct. But, yeah, in part because, we see, we have two uh, immune systems. We have the adaptive immune system and the innate immune system. Yeah. And so the vitamin D is working on the innate immune system adaptive immune system recalls either what what disease you've been exposed to and, and fought successfully or what you've been vaccinated against. I got and you. it turns out that for swine flu, it's similar to another flu that happened, I think, in 1957. Yeah. So people like myself born, born before 1957 probably have antibodies that are going to pro- protect us against this current swine flu.
2: Okay.
0: Which is why they're telling children and pregnant women they're they're more at risk than the older
2: folks. Yeah, really interesting. Well, folks, lots of good reasons to take this stuff, and it is so inexpensive, and and so there's no real downside to it that I can tell, and why we are not all taking plenty of it every day, I don't know. It's just lack of information as usual, I suppose. But uh, it's a good idea, if if you want to pursue this further, to start looking at uh, the website that Dr. Grant mentioned. It's sunarc.org, I believe. Is that right? Yeah, it's the Sunlight Nutrition and Health Research Center that he runs, and he's organized as the the founding director. And it has a lot of information there about this subject and studies that uh, Dr. Grant and other people have done. And as you can tell, he is very, very well informed on this. So you're not going to get any better advice than to give yourself a good test. And if it comes back anywhere below about 60, I would start upping the ante on whatever vitamin D3 you're taking now, if any. My recommendation for cancer patients, just off the top of my head, is 25 to 30,000 IU. But as, as Dr. Grant says, get yourself tested after you've done that for a week or two and see how you're doing. Any other advice you want to give to people before we, we run out of time here, Dr. Grant?
0: Just other, one other thing is that cardiovascular diseases are now strongly linked to low vitamin D as well. Yeah. I've just developed a dose-response curve for risk of cardiovascular disease, both both coronary heart disease and stroke. Uh, as a function of serum 25 hydroxy vitamin d levels. Yeah. And based on the, the studies to date, the average white American has a 30% increased risk for cardiovascular disease based on mean population serum 25 hydroxy vitamin d levels, whereas the, the, the average uh, black American has a 60% increased risk. Wow. And I would say that dark-skinned people, the darker the skin in the United States, the greater the risk of vitamin D-sensitive diseases. And this is even after accounting for uh stage of diagnosis of cancer or, or treatment or anything else. So wow. your darker-skinned listeners have really got to get interested in the vitamin D story. Yeah, hear, here. So
3: here, here. It's
0: not very difficult to get the message across to that community, but but they are certainly want the
2: greatest risk yeah well this is heard this broadcast of this show is heard and, and listened to by people all over the world uh, and really folks we need to get this message to everyone we know and you know particularly those with darker skin i think but everybody needs to get this message and take it home to their families and and all of their relatives and so on you've got to up the ante here of the of the vitamin d and about the only practical way to do that is to get some kind of good supplementation and there are lots of sources for this by the way Uh, in fact i just talked to our health co-op people this morning the folks that i recommend for several things on my regimen and they are coming out with a 5000 iu level of vitamin d very shortly within the next week or two Uh, they currently sell one but it's only a a thousand iu but so you might keep uh, taking a look at there in the meantime I get mine from a a website called puritanspride.com online, but there are lots of other sources for it. You just need to shop around because it's very, very inexpensive and and good stuff.
0: If they go to my website, Mm sunarc.org, on the left-hand side I have a a number of documents that can be downloaded, and the one I would want them to look at first is what's called the Vitamin D Starter Kit. Oh, okay. Because that has a list of, of a lot of the key papers, has a list of a lot of the key websites, It tells you where to get vitamin D cheaply, how to get tested, and all that
2: sort of good stuff. Oh, great. Okay, yeah, that'll be a big help. That's sunarc.org, folks. Take a look at that. It's a great website, lots of information on this subject. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Grant. It's been really terrific, and I think everybody's gotten some helpful information out of this. And we'll talk again soon, and thank you so much.
0: Great. My pleasure.
2: Wow, Dr. Grant, what a wonderful interview and lots of great information about vitamin D3 and how we need to get this built up in our bodies for all kinds of different reasons. And don't overlook the wonderful information at his website, sunarc.org. That's his organization that he set up. And if you go to the left of the screen and scroll down, you'll find a vitamin D starter kit there, which will give you, among other things, the access to the test that you can get for $40. You can do it every six months or as often as you want. Uh, but you can do it at home, and you don't have to go to a lab to get it done. You can send the kit in directly to them and get the results back. So it's a very very convenient way to test your vitamin D as often as you need to, which is probably about every six months or so. And at the Vitamin D Starter Kit on uh, on sunarc.org, you'll also find a vast number of references to vitamin D3 and why it is so important. There are several pages there that Dr. Grant's put together of references for you, websites and books and studies and so on. Very, very interesting subject. Well, my three great sponsors of this show pay the overhead for it, and I strongly recommend you use their products because they are great people and they have very high-quality products. And the prices are are pretty reasonable overall, and I think you'll find that they satisfy everyone that they service. And that's why I love them as sponsors because their products really work and they work to prevent cancer and to reverse it. And that's why they are recommended in my book. For example, the BetterWayHealth.com website is the one that sells the transfer point beta glucan. If you read my October newsletter, you saw an article in there about the transfer point versus our health co op form of beta glucan. Read that article if you want to. Go to my website. It is beating-cancer-gently.com. Just go to the newsletter archive page and scroll down to the most recent one, which is the October newsletter, and you'll see an article in there with a graph showing a comparison of these two products. Betterwayhealth.com, the website, you'll also find things like a Jupiter water filter, which we have. My wife and I have one under our sink, and it works wonderfully well to alkalinize our water up to about 95 Alkalinity, which is very healthy to drink, by the way, but it also filters the water and takes out all of the bad stuff from our water. And we have been very happy with this. We've had it for several years now. And in addition, at the site, they have several different things. But one of them is that we also have is a, a shower filter for filtering out the chlorine in the in the shower water. In order to get to their products, you want to go to either BetterWayHealth.com, which is the website. Or you can call them at 1-800-746-7640. This is Eastern Time in Atlanta or out of the United States, area 678-560-1808. Green Supreme Incorporated is the name of the company that makes a great product that I recommend to everyone called Barley Power. They have several other products that they're very happy to have you explore at their website, which is greensupreme.net. One of those is a colostrum product, which is very excellent for infections and other degenerative conditions, including cancer and heart disease. They have an olive leaf product, an astragalus product, and an Essiac tea product in both capsule form and in liquid form, whichever you like. So I would take a look at that if I were you. Get a hold of the people at greensupreme.net. The number, if you want to call them, is one three five eight zero seven seven seven. This is in Pennsylvania, so it's on Eastern time. And from outside the United States, the number is area seven two four nine four six nine zero five seven. Well, our health co-op has just come out with a beta glucan product, which is quite inexpensive, and you may want to look into that. I would certainly go to their website, which is makinghealthaffordable.com and look through their products because every single one of them is less expensive than what you're using now, I'm almost certain, because the markups on them are very, very low. So take a look at those and they're very high quality products all the way through every single one of the products they sell. If you don't want to use the makinghealthaffordable.com website, you can call their order desk in Florida. It's 1-800-667-0781. Tell them I sent you and, you know, they'll treat you very nicely. Outside the United States, call area 561-863-5300. Well, thank you for listening, folks, and we look forward to having you back next week where we'll have a very interesting guest on for you, a naturopathic doctor from Arizona who uh, is also a cancer survivor. His name is Dr. Joe Brown, and he is a naturopathic doctor, a cancer survivor, and a very, very interesting guest. See you next week, folks. Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening to How to Live Cancer Free with Bill Henderson.